0: welcome back everyone this is the bless your boys podcast BlessyourBoys.com is your home for all things detroit tigers baseball and beyond on the sb nation platform i'm your host brandon day uh, we've been off well, i don't know four weeks something like that a bit bit of unplanning um I was uh, sick at one point. My sister had a shotgun wedding, and my co-host, Miss Ashley McLennan, um, circumnavigated North America,
1: I believe, during this time period. <laughs> well, Actually, I I to, I, have we did, done anything since I went to Florida? No, I don't think we've done anything. Oh we've my god, yeah, I did a baseball road trip up from Miami through Tampa, uh, ended up in Atlanta, so I checked off those three stadiums, and I got to do the whole press box thing for the Rays, which was pretty cool. And then I had a really uh, impromptu trip to Seattle that was done for work. And unfortunately, the Mariners were not in town, which (laughs) made me almost want to, like, not go on the whole trip and just be like, sorry, guys, I can't go if the Mariners aren't playing. But um, it was a bit of a whirlwind anyway. It would have been pretty tough to get to a game. Mm, Yeah. Have you been uh, to a game in Seattle yet? No, I haven't. So I got to see Safeco from a distance on my way to the airport, Uh, and it was nice. And I grabbed a Mariners t-shirt while I was wandering around, but... uh, I'll have to go back next year was my plan anyway like I kind of wanted to check it out over a long weekend next year so I kind of got to do a little bit of the touristy groundwork on this trip and then I'll go back next year
0: yeah kind of check out the area around it and
1: yeah I got to go to Pike Place Market see them throw some fish oh yeah uh, kind of goggle at the uh incredible fruit and oh my god you guys in the pacific northwest you are killing me with that produce <laughs> produce and like scallops the size of my head and it was just unbelievable so i would i can't wait to go back
0: oh that's cool yeah i've never been to seattle either yeah i would that's definitely a place i would like to get to although i was looking at uh i was doing a whole bunch of research about newfoundland and uh Labrador and all that the other day and now I'm oh yeah like, oh man I, that, that might fulfill some of my like I want to go to Northern Ireland and see all the cliffs and stuff it's the same rock um, formations
1: I haven't done Newfoundland uh, but I have been to Nova Scotia which is literally New Scotland by name yeah uh it's gorgeous i highly recommend coming up and seeing the maritimes if you get a chance absolutely
0: awesome yeah it it really looks amazing it looks like it's also like hard to differentiate where to go and like maybe the best thing to do is just to get a car and just drive all over the whole thing yeah
1: it's pretty small i think you could handle it and there's like big like bypasses that'll get you from one island to the other um and yeah it's it's big and there's a lot lot of very very small towns so i think having a car would be the way to go yeah all kinds of cute little fishing villages and stuff yeah Yeah. there's also an avert your ears if there are children in your car uh while you're listening to this aloud uh there is a town called dildo in newfoundland which is one of my absolute favorite canadian town names
0: (laughs) you have to take a a a picture
1: absolutely yeah
0: on the way to uh kalamazoo from detroit um there are two towns um there is both climax and there is hell
1: I knew uh, the hell was in Michigan. That was right. Oh, I knew that too. Yep.
0: That's so funny. Yep. Hell is in Michigan in the summer, especially the way it's been going lately. It's been hot. Yeah. Damn <laughs> Living hot. up to the name. Yep. So yeah, I mean, we've, um, you know, there, there's been a lot that's gone on it hasn't been terribly exciting. I'm, you know, I was thinking back to that like first, uh, it's like our first, maybe it was like the first podcast right before the season started, where we were talking about the haves and the have nots and um, the season's you know, at least in the American League, definitely turning out that way. Like, it just looks like, you know, Boston and the Yankees and the Astros are just monsters and the Mariners, which is a little bit yeah. surprising. And there's a few teams like, you know, like your Rays, um, the Tigers haven't been too bad. But, you know, everybody else is just just hot garbage. <laughs> it's like you're either the really good or you're terrible. Yeah.
1: Like, the biggest surprises for me have definitely been in the, the National League. Like the Phillies are doing unbelievably well. The Braves. Like, these teams that I really had no expectations for have really been surprising me. Um, one that I – like, I do a weekly recap of what's going on in the the National League Central for the Cubs site, uh, Bleak Cubby Blue. And uh, the Reds have just been really surprising me lately. Like, going on weird tears. They they swept the Cubs two weeks ago in, like, four games. Yeah. Um, they've been beating some teams that are con- meant to be considerably better than them. Um and I think a lot that might be due to the managerial shift or just they just got sick of losing. I'm not sure, but it's been pretty fun to watch. Yeah, a couple of bats have gotten hot. Obviously, they, they took down the Tigers
0: in, in two games last week. So
1: Yeah, yeah, that's kind of where it started. And then they did, I think they went on to take two out of four from the Braves, which is no easy feat um, right now in this season. So, yeah, it's uh, the Reds or something else. I, I They're not going to run away with their division or anything, but I think for a team that was, like, rock-bottom, for the beginning of the season, I think they started something like three and 12 in their first 15 games. Yeah. Um, they're doing something. And I think that they're, they may surpass either the Cardinals or, uh, or the pirates and do something pretty interesting. Yeah. They're only a the season, maybe fourth place.
0: Yeah. They're only a couple games behind the pirates now. I mean, they were in last place. And like you said, it was, it's kind of like if the Royals had gone on some crazy, like, you know, 15 yeah. and five run or something, that's basically how it's been. And now they're, yeah, they've kind of all bunched up there.
1: Yeah, Milwaukee not still the, leading the like, way. Kind of, joke that they were before so that's kind of a, a sleeper to watch for but not by any means a sleeper to watch for like winning the season yeah um but just don't count them out yet for, yeah, just... for a, a, an okay maybe i don't think they're even going to get to a 500 season honestly but i think they're there's something there to to keep an eye on
0: yeah that start was just just too brutal but um yeah they you know they could at least like kind of get themselves into that shape where it's like okay maybe you know maybe next year we can do some things um, I know there's people interested in uh, Rizel Iglesias, their closer, of course. And um, so they should have a few few chips to trade as well. It just feels they're in a weird spot. You know, they're in that spot where they've got Joey Votto, who's, you know, starting to get older. And you don't know how much longer he's going to be Joey Votto for. And it's like, go, you know, go, go for it as fast as you can. But, yeah, I don't know. We'll have to see if they can uh, hit, hit big on a few trades, maybe do something in this offseason. season. Um, yeah, you know, and... The Central doesn't look that good. You know, like The Cardinals haven't been very impressive. The Pirates are just kind of the Pirates always in the middle 500. And the yeah, Cubs it's a lot kind of, of like, middling problems.
1: stuff. It, it's really just the Cubs and the Brewers. It's the, the, the nice Midwest show. Yep, and speaking of the Cubs, uh, we went out to
0: Fair Wrigley today and had another bullpen meltdown. And um, I'm afraid that, you know, now that Shane green is, is on the disabled list, at least for a little while with the shoulder sprain, like that, I mean, this bullpen is just going to struggle. It's, it's going to be even uglier than it, than it has been. So yeah. that, that may be a kind of preview of what's to come before the all-star break. Um, maybe after that, you know, the, they'll get green back and kind of piece things together. Not if they have Hardy in the bullpen, but yeah, it's been, it's been pretty grim the last, uh, the last two weeks.
1: Yeah. It's not been, been ideal. And it's kind of sad that like, uh, it's it's stuff that eleven game losing streak we just came off of, and had two wins and then we lost again today. It's uh it, it's not I, I, I'd say the rally goose is cooked.
0: Yeah, I think that's that, I think for that sure. Is. And you know, two two weeks ago, um, we had just won five straight. You know, we were like a game and a half, or maybe even a half game behind the Indians at one point. You yeah, know, it was kind of looking good. Yeah, I don't even know if we've talked since Miggy went down. Maybe that was maybe that was the last show that we did um, was where Miggy you know went out for the season. Um, but you know they seemed to rally you know behind that for a couple weeks. But yeah, it's uh, it's it's just fading now.
1: Yeah, they're kind of to the point where I think a lot of people thought they'd be at the beginning of the season. I think this is sort of what we we expected from the Tigers. Um, it, it's not fun to see, especially since they had such a good run, and you were you kind of able to see what they were capable of. So seeing them kind of in this middling place is no fun, but it's, it's not easy when you got guys like green down when Miggy's out for the season, when you have to call up, you know, Mikey mottuck and, and Jim Adusi for, for a game against the Cubs. Um, yeah, you got John Hicks playing, playing first. And <laughs> yeah, you're almost every day first baseman. Like it's, it, it puts them in a position where they're kind of strained and these guys can only do so much. Like, you can only count on your like second string guys to play first string for so long before something gives. And I think that's what we're seeing here.
0: Yeah. And and so many times, you know, those, those nice starts guys get off to early in the year um, just aren't sustainable. You know, guys like Hicks and Jacoby Jones, you know, they figure out pretty quick how to pitch to you once you become a bit of a threat and, and just kind of, you know, shove you right back down where you belong again. And we've kind of seen that, um, you know, Nick Castellanos obviously has been, hitting the cover off the ball again after a little bit of a slump. Um, he, he's looking great. Candelario still looks great. But, um, you know, Leonius Martin went down this week with another hamstring issue, and
1: yep. he's been
0: kind of one of the big uh, big producers. So they're in bad shape. And I could see uh, Castellanos' walk rate starting to creep up here because, you know, you can pretty much just pitch around him and, and have your way with most of this lineup, I'm afraid, at this point.
1: Well, and the other tough thing we're seeing now—you see a guy like Martin go down. Martin, my apologies to Leonis. <laughs> uh, Martin go down. You see a guy like Green go down. These are big, big topics. Like these are guys that we're talking a lot about for trades. Yeah. Um, and we're leading. It's we're in July now, and we're leading up to that point, and and guys start to lose value a little bit if they don't look healthy. And you want these guys to come back and look good so that we can at least get them in a couple of games for prospective teams that might want them to see that they're still, you know, in trade shape.
0: Yeah. And unfortunately, you know, Green had kind of stumbled the last couple of weeks. Um, so, we, you know, we were already kind of looking at that like, well, you know, I just I just don't know if the, if the, the, the deals are going to be there to bother moving him. You know, yeah. Martine, it's kind of the same thing. You know, Iglesias. I guess at this point you take anything for that's probably how it's been all along. But that's kind of like a circumstantial thing. Like if a team needs him, I could see somebody making a deal. Um, he's been playing well the past two months, really after a slow start. But um, yeah, it's 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 really hard to look and see where there's going to be a whole lot of exciting trade action at this point. You yeah, know, I think you might. Get... Rumors are kicking up, but you know until Michael Fulmer kind of goes on a, a monster you know run again you know, you're probably not going to get full price for him either. And, you know, no. the Tigers are, are, you know, had really better extract a lot of pieces from somebody, especially a middle infield prospect of, of some quality, um, or, or it's going to be hard to sell that to me or anyone else. So,
1: Yeah, I think you might get some interest in Liriano, but that's even going to be tough now, considering how how poor his showings have been since coming back. Yeah. Um, it's, there's not, there's not a lot that I think, I think they're going to try and move who they can, Um. But I don't think you're going to get anything exciting back in any of this unless it's for a Fulmer trade. I think any of these other guys you move, it's going to be bits and pieces, double-A guys, maybe, you know, some yeah, money. Yeah, like,
0: yeah. Kind of, like the kind of guys they got back for, like, Justin Upton. Like, some, maybe some nice lottery ticket type, you know, young arms yeah. or something, but, but not a whole lot. Um, and that does bring us to, you know... One other topic: the international um, signing day on July second just just occurred, and the Tigers spent you know a good chunk of their bone pool right out of the gate on an outfielder and a shortstop. Um, there's still Victor Victor Mesa, the Cuban import, who hasn't signed anywhere, and there there are a bunch of teams that are have spent a lot of money, and there are also quite a few teams that are in the penalty because of how much they'd spent previously or various other issues and can't um, can't pay him a multi million dollar you know deal to sign him. So you have to look at that maybe and I and I do hope the Tigers front office is scheming some ways to to trade for some international po- bonus pool money this year. Um we missed out on the on the boat there last year in a couple deals where they didn't do that well like the JD deal where maybe they could have yeah. got some of that thrown in and um yeah, if they could do that and, and get Victor Victor, that would uh, that would make for a really Victor, nice
1: Victor. haul. I know. I'm, that would be awesome. And I think to... they I read they picked up three shortstops. Yep, yep. Three shortstops, and then um, Jose de la Cruz, I think, was the outfielder they grabbed. Yep, and he's the Uh-oh. most expensive.
0: Yeah, the bunch there. So.
1: Yeah. yeah, both so. of
0: them top 30. Adenso Reyes, I think, who's Dominican. So, I mean, it's really hard to tell with 16-year-old guys, but, you know, it seems like they've been aggressive like they said they would be, and... The draft you know generally it has gotten pretty good reviews there's you know Tigers picked up a lot of interesting interesting players with some tools like guys with a you know a good pitch or outfielders with speed and and power um and maybe not the hit tool you'd like to see but you know maybe one of those guys puts it together so yeah if they could get Victor victor uh, at the end of all this I think it would it would look like a pretty darn good haul this season for the farm also just fun to say hmm uh-huh. I just wanna I wanna be able to use my off from Star Trek impersonation and call him call him call him, him Wickter Wick 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 yep. Wick yes. <laughs> <laughs> it would all be worth it if we could just get that going. Oh Rip Anton Yelchin. I know, that is that is sad. I loved Anton. He's great. Yeah. He's great in a lot of things. Great. Um and yeah, you know, I, that, that's the thing. Like we're you know, we were all kind of looking forward to the trade deadline. Like this is you know, this is kinda of like the the big, the post for the Tigers this year. And yeah, I don't know. We'll just have to see how it goes, but it looks like, um, it might be might be kind of bleak unless someone gets crazy and really comes hard after Fulmer.
1: Yeah. That's the only way I see anything exciting happen. I think we'll move some pieces, but I don't think you're going to get many names back that you've ever heard of. I, I think it's just going to be like a, let's, you know, stock these with some off brand, yeah. um, off brand guys that you hope may become something.
0: Yeah, you try to get like some young like 18, 19-year-old guys guys who aren't really on the map yet, you know, maybe steal somebody that way, but yeah, it's probably not going to not going to be a whole lot that's going to move the needle. Um and I don't, you know, and the Tigers don't really look like they've got anybody who's going to make it to the All-Star game. There's kind of a, a campaign out there for Nick Castellanos, but it just seems like there's too many other outfielders out there. Well, right they'll now.
1: have I think you'll get somebody in like from the managerial pool, like you'll yeah. get a but a who, right? Like I mean, I feel like we've had this discussion before, but I don't even know how I would pinpoint somebody that deserves to go, like of all the team, I guess maybe Nick. But yeah, I mean, I could see, I could see Nick just because there aren't that many guys who
0: are dedicated right fielders who play the position every day. So maybe he kind of grades out near the top among right fielders, or at least well. So maybe he could get in there. And yeah, maybe somebody picked. Maybe they pick Joe Jimenez um, for the bullpen. Although yeah, I do not want Joe Jimenez throwing in the game, but if he gets selected, that'd be kind of cool for him.
1: Yeah, that's honestly like I don't even know because, you know, they make that effort, right? You know, they try to get somebody from every team. But it's like I read somewhere on Twitter today that Jays fans are getting worried that they'll pick one guy and he'll get traded before the game even happens. (laughs) Um, I mean, they they traded Steve Pierce last week. Yep. Um, which was quite a thing to the Red Sox. So, I mean, they're obviously kind of, they've given up, which isn't surprising given where they are in the East. Yeah. Um, I think we're going to start seeing a lot of that, which is... And that could happen with
0: J.A. J. Happ could be the big one, you know? Like, yeah, oh, he might, yeah, he might get selected and then end up, you know, pitching in New York or something.
1: Ugh. Yeah. 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 I don't know. That's, I think that that's where the trade deadline is going to be pretty exciting for us this year is not necessarily what we see happen on our team, but all the bonkers moves that are going to happen on other teams.
0: Yeah. It's kind of weird out there because there, there are some teams who need players that don't really have the farm anymore to get them like Boston and Seattle. Um, Seattle's number one pick I think last year Sam Carlson a uh, right-handed prep pitcher they took he's going down he just went down with Tommy John surgery um, so you're probably not trading for him although I don't know maybe that's not a bad way to, to get a guy like that and take a chance but yeah it's just hard to see Seattle having the, the pieces um, even with Jack Depoto just being a maniac up there and willing to do anything and deal
1: anyone um, so <laughs> gotta love. I yep. love DePoto's trade mentality. Yep. I don't know. After they moved for, for Colomay and, and Span, I'm not sure they've got a lot more. I guess we'll, it's hard to say, right? Because they are in a position where they could actually win. Yeah. Um. And, and so that's going to put them in a, a pretty eager mindset. Um. But they've done pretty well on that last trade. Like, that's served them fairly well so far. Yep. Um. So I could see them maybe angling to get something, but... It's hard to say what their needs are right now. Yeah. If, if there's something that's so glaring that they, you know, would be willing to push for a farm or move one of their like bench guys. got like, yeah, they got Andrew Romine. What do they need? I they know. got every position covered. It seems like they could use a starting pitcher, but yeah,
0: I just don't know that they're going to be able to get anybody particularly notable. um You know, we've we've heard repeatedly, you know, that they'd like to get Boyd back, and obviously Boyd is from the Seattle area and that yep. that would kind of make a perfect fit. And he fits in that ballpark as a fly ball pitcher, but I just can't see how they're going to put together a, a, enough pieces to make me really want to bother trading Matt Boyd, although he is kind of at peak value struggling a little bit lately, but um, having a very good year. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's going to be weird to see how uh, some of these teams finagle something. There's, there's a lot of sellers and uh, that doesn't bode well for the teams who are selling. <laughs> so we'll have to see how that, ha- how that just plays out. Um, unfortunately, yeah, like, you know, for the Tigers, the, really, the only big news that we've had in the past couple weeks, um, has been the firing of former pitching coach, Chris Basio for racially charged and insensitive comments to a club employee. Um, I don't know how, how do you, we've had a little time to kind of absorb, absorb how this all went down. Um, you know, it feels like to me, like the Tigers, you know, handled this really well. They handled it aggressively. And despite yeah. Basio's initial protestations, there's, you know, there's there's kind of an ample sort of sourcing on the fact that no one else in the organization, from players to coaches or anyone else, seems to have no interest in standing up for him and isn't corroborating any of his story. So it feels like that all went as well as a it good. Um, it's just that, obviously, now the Tigers are down... <clears throat> Maybe the only coach in the entire system that I was actually happy to have, which sucks.
1: But I know. He had to go. He had, you got to go. He keeps yeah, you that kind of thing. I, I, I really respect what they did by taking such immediate and decisive action because, I mean, especially – like, not not ever should it be okay. Like, like, let me just start by saying that. Like, never, ever should it be okay for that kind of language to be used in a clubhouse. And he shouldn't validate it by saying things like, oh, but we cracked fat jokes all the time. For like, you know, poor Doug Teeter, yeah. I would assume. Yeah, like, yep.
0: I think that's who was getting the flack there, yeah.
1: But like, you know, it, it's not okay to like, to point out anybody's like differences and use that as bait for jokes and it was very apparent that whoever he he launched this at it wasn't meant as a joke and it wasn't taken as a joke and he tried to brush it off saying he was joking about Daniel Stump um is what i gather yeah. um but the 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 tough part is that we weren't there we didn't witness it. We haven't heard anything directly from the sources. I mean, uh, Katie Strang and Ken Rosenthal did a, what I thought was a pretty good piece. I think we had a couple differences of opinion on, on how they ended it, and it was a bit character – I wouldn't well, say an assassination piece, but it was a little bit – it went into areas at the end, I think, that we can agree were unnecessary to drudge up.
0: Yeah, that's all. I mean, I, I thought it was a really good piece of reporting. Yeah, up until it, it just yeah, it just got a little sketchy there at the end. But the reporting and the sourcing, you know, I trust Ken Rosenthal. I trust Katie Strang. I mean, oh, they're, absolutely. They're I respected, I don't. So,
1: yep. But I I, no doubt. even even then, neither Ken nor Katie were there for the event either, right? Right. So like, you can only. I, I think that the the fact is that what we're seeing out of this situation is something that we're never going to get the full story. The full full story,
0: yeah.
1: From either Bosio or the Tigers. The Tigers have said all they're going to say. The anonymous sources have said all they're going to say, and I believe that the the sources were at were being honest in what they said, and I, I know that what the Tigers did was absolutely what they had to do in that sort of situation. Like, yeah. like I said, it's never okay, but especially now with such like racial tension and and all of these things going on in the country um there's no room for it at all like yeah and like again not ever but especially not now um and i think you have to show yourself especially with all the backlash they got from the the Derek yeah. norris uh, i'm and, glad you brought that up yeah and they've realized, I think, how bad it looks for them when this sort of thing hits the public spectrum. And they got ahead of it. They're like, look, before anything comes out, we've fired him. It's, some things were said. He violated policy. That's that. He's done. And so we were all sitting here going, well, what did he say? <laughs> like right. This was before anybody broke it. Nobody knew what had gone on. And so like, that's really beating things to the punch. So, I mean... I know there's even people on our staff and people online wondering maybe if it was just an easy way for them to get rid of him because of personality differences or, you know, things that they weren't agreeing with in his approach. But I don't think that you go to that extreme yeah. of assassinating somebody's character that way. And open um, yourself
0: up to, you know, to...
1: To public like spec like spectacle and a lawsuit,
0: you know, and and obviously, you know, I mean, if if that was a wrongful firing, you know, the Tigers would come out of this looking looking very bad.
1: Absolutely. So I I think that you have to look at it in that sense, and that there there has to be an element of truth and a strong element of truth to what the the sources are saying for it to stick. And it's it's a bummer because you're right. Like I I was super excited about Bosio. I was excited to see what he was doing with the players. Um, but at the end of the day, it has to be a safe and welcoming environment for everybody from players to staff, to the guys picking up the laundry. Um, they all have to feel like they can work there and, and not be judged or discriminated against. So the Tigers did the right thing. Yep. And yeah, and I think,
0: you know, we might've disagreed a little bit on the Derek Norris thing. We neither, but not much. I mean, like really, neither of us really wanted him here, but I think even from my perspective, if, they had taken Derek Norris and appeared to have gotten out in front of that and understood um, how that was going to come off and been prepared and had vetted him, talked to him about, about the situation and just handled the whole thing more professionally and in a way that, you know, the, that kind of reflected, you know, the serious of the situation, the way that, you know, those kind of issues are taken now, hopefully more seriously and, um, you know, maybe they could have, you know, made that all, you know, go a little smoother. And maybe that did affect the way they handled this. Because, you know, the other thing about it is, you know, we were all wondering what was said. We never would have known. Um, you know, maybe it's all for the best that Chris Basio came out with the whole, oh, I was calling Daniel Stump, Spider Monkey, you know, thing. Because it allowed kind of, I think, the Tigers to kind of fire back, um, you know, behind the scenes. Like, they weren't going yeah. kind to of issue a public statement. But... You know, you have to assume that that allowed them to free up some of their employees, or at least their employees felt more empowered to come back and say, "Hey, you know, we're going to dispute, you know, his his part of that story." Because obviously, Daniel Stump, you know, came out and was like, "No one calls me Spider Monkey. I've never heard Although, that before."
1: I've got to say now, and none, and none of the, the other pictures. I know now he is Spider Monkey. I know now he apparently it. there was quite a chorus of it today at uh, Wrigley. He got called Spider Monkey quite a bit today. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know what I found interesting, and this was a fact that came up, and this is totally unrelated. Well, it's it's related to the firing, but it's a byproduct. Um, this is the seventh game, I think, consecutive game for the Tigers where the starter has gone six innings or more. Yeah, um, which is a, absolutely a direct byproduct of of Bosio being gone because he was would have been like the first to pull a guy, um, and I think right now you've got. Um, yeah, Rick Anderson and, is much more old Rick, school about yeah, those sorts Rick of Yeah, Rick Anderson and Gardenhire are both very old school in their approach to, to milking as much time out of your starter as you can. And I honestly think if Bosio had still been around, you wouldn't have seen Michael Fulmer go back out for another inning yeah. after that really taxing fifth against the Cubs. Um, I wouldn't have put him back out. And he went out and he did fine. Like, And maybe there's something to be said for that. But that fifth was really stressful to watch. Yeah. Uh, so... I, I don't know. I think you're going to see lots of differences in how the pitching's approached now. And I don't know if that's going to be for the better.
0: Yeah. I mean, I kind of,
1: yeah, I doubt that it, that it kind of will be, but I would say,
0: you know, that, you know, the, the kind of coach that Chris Basio seemed to be like a guy who would basically take over your delivery and everything, you know, like a lot of coaches, a lot of pitching coaches when they come in are, you know, they're not messing with you. They're waiting to be asked about things. They're just kind of like running the schedules, you know planning planning guys usage out and helping guys with individual things as as requested um there's that style coach and then there's a middle ground but then there's the bazios of the world who come right in and go I want you to do this I want you to mm-hmm. change your foot position I want you to keep your you know, your hat brim down to help you keep the ball down and, you know, like have all these things that they want you to work on. And it's, you know, it's entirely possible that a hard driving coach like that just tends to burn through guys pretty quickly. And it may be that the Tigers already got the best out of them. You know, the, um, the familiarity with, you know, with using like Rapsodo technology to, you know, check spin rates and spin angle, and you know release points and all that kind of stuff in the bullpen. Like you know, he brought a lot of that um, that comfortability with with you know modern technology and data gathering um, in the bullpen, like in the context of teaching. And so maybe they got the most um, out of him that they could. I am not going to be real happy if they keep Rick Anderson going forward. Um, but for the rest of the year. It is what it is, and with a young team, and I've heard Justin Verlander say this a million times, and it's Justin Verlander, and he's not a normal, you know, not not a normal <laughs> person. So I don't know that you know his opinion about this actually is applicable to other people. But he's always gone on and on about the fact that you know Leland was old school and would let him throw deep into games, and because of that, he learned how to do it. And you know, the Tigers don't have anything to lose right now, so it's not gonna you know it's not gonna bother me that much if they. Don't want to turn to you know the likes of Warwick Sawpold and you know Drew Verhagen and guys like this in the sixth yeah, inning and try to stretch I, these guys out. Um, it's you know that doesn't bother me too much if if you know we have some some rough goes on that front. But as a it, winning strategy, I don't think it's you know it's really the way to go nowadays.
1: No, and like maybe that's it. Maybe you're using it to let these guys like Liriano, like Zimmerman, like Fulmer, who have struggled a little bit. Um, maybe it gives them a chance to kind of flex that muscle a little bit more and play with a couple different things and maybe see where they're they're kind of losing it.
0: Yeah, and mentally learn how to deal with, you know, being tired. Like, to be tired and still
1: pitch another inning, you know. So, I mean, there could be something very positive to it, and I guess that just remains to be seen. Um. So, and we'll see it because there's no other option at this
0: point. Yeah, exactly. And you know, and the other thing too is they just don't have the bullpen to really do it any other way. Um, especially with Green out. You know, getting Hardy in that bullpen makes me feel a good deal better. Um, but now you have Green back out, and so you're still dealing with basically a two pitcher bullpen. You know, there's two guys in there that I. Really trust Lewis Coleman has been sketchy lately, but he did have a run where he was pretty good. Maybe he'll help out. Alex Wilson just doesn't look like the same guy we had, you know, a couple years ago anymore. Um, maybe, no. maybe he'll you know get over having a broken shin and torn plantar fasciitis and all that kind of stuff, and and feel better and pitch better at some point. But um, it's pretty hard to argue for them turning over turning things over to the bullpen in the sixth inning when you you know are going to have to put two or three guys like that out there before you can get to Jimenez so yeah yeah it's you know it's it's their philosophy but it's also just sort of you know the way it kind of probably has to be right now um the other thing about Rick Anderson and I'm sure everybody on the site who's a pitching hound knows this that, that you know he made comments a few years ago that his philosophy was he wanted you to pitch to contact and he wanted you to limit the walks and while that isn't like so radically different from what a lot of pitching coaches teach. Um, it does sound like he's a little bit less apt to, to want guys to set people up for a strikeout by, you know, okay, you've got them down two strikes, waste a pitch above the belt and then go down. Um, he kind of wants you to come right at guys. Um, and we're going to have to see how, who takes to that and, and who doesn't. Um, maybe, you know, maybe he's not that forceful about it. Maybe pitchers will kind of at this point in the season are kind of just in their groove and we'll just sort of, you know, go about things the way they've been going out about things. But um yeah, those are kind of like the two touchstones of, of his whole philosophy. And, it, you know, maybe it was the right philosophy for the Twins at the time because they had garbage, you know, in that in that bullpen. They had garbage in the rotation. It was a lot of bad pitchers. And probably the best thing they could do was let guys hit it and try not to walk anybody. Um, but I, I would I would hesitate to see that kind of philosophy put on someone like Michael Fomer, who we're trying yeah. to get more strikeouts out of to turn him into that kind of ace-caliber pitcher. So
1: Well, we'll yeah, to see how especially it goes. if you... Want any kind of return from him down the future, or even just to make him a key part of the rotation in the future? Yeah, Um, you need him to do do better.
0: Yeah, to make him the guy that you know he that is you know an ace, still young that everybody wants and that we will still want and is worth a ton. Yeah, he's he's got to find that strikeout touch a little bit more regularly. And I don't know, I don't know if Rick Anderson's the guy to help with that. But um, I don't know, Fulmer's a big boy. He's got a few years in, so hopefully he can figure some of this out himself by now.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, those are the team issues and we're, you know, we're we're kind of into the dog days of summer now where we're just going to kind of have to ride this out and, and take the little bits of joy where we can. Um, Nico Goodrum has been a nice surprise this year and he's, you know, kind of been back hitting and, and coming through with some big plays lately. Um, Iglesias has as well, but it's, it's kind of what we expected. Yeah. The hot start, you know, for considering who they have on the team and then just how, how much can they hang on and how far will they fall? um, toward the number one draft pick next year. <laughs> so we'll just yeah. have to say it. <laughs> Yeah. Um, well, the, you know, another interesting thing going on off the field that I know we've, we've both kind of paid attention to is the 619 podcast, which is the podcast hosted by Nick Castellanos and Shane Green. Um, those boys now have four episodes in the can and it's been a pretty interesting listen and, you know, kind of plays to some things we've talked about before about how, you know major league baseball tries to market you know its players but but struggles to and how it needs to have maybe a looser hitting them you know kind of handle things themselves whether it's by you know designing custom shoes or you know having a little swag out there or deciding to host your own podcast um which i don't think yeah. any other active players have ever done anything like this and it's been kind of mind-boggling to listen what's your uh, early impressions on that
1: uh, I've been through the first episode, and i got the other three queued up. I know there's some special guest stars mm-hmm. by episode four, which is kind of cool. Um, aside from like, – I listen to a lot of podcasts, and I'm obviously on to um, – so I, I, I'm a little bit iffy about the, the sound quality because I have to jack the volume way up. Uh, and that may have gotten better in later episodes. It did get um, a little better,
0: but it is kind of funny because they're right in the booth. They're literally they're literally in, the booth. Literally the booth in the a booth,
1: which is in, like in the booth, like the recording booth. It's 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 so it's funny. Yeah. Um. But I do find it's pretty quiet. Um. That said, Nick Castellanos is just an absolute natural when it comes to like just talking. Yeah. Like, and I've noticed that in his like off the side interview. Interviews during the season when like Fox Sports when one of the guys comes and like chats with him about something. He's just very cool. He's he's and I hate to say it surprisingly, but he's surprisingly well spoken. Yeah, um, I, I think it always kind of takes me by surprise when when a guy who plays Major League Baseball is like really thoughtful with what he's saying.
0: Yeah. Because you you're so used to
1: like, you know, I get it, I I'm out for the team and we're gonna do what the team needs and you know, yay team. Um, they're gonna sports harder than the other team sports is and <laughs> we're gonna go. Yeah. So, so he comes out and he talks about like, you know, getting off the mental ruler like the mental merry go round and like you know, just starting to be more thoughtful about his approach to the game and and this kid's what, twenty six? I think Nick is twenty six now. Yep. Um he's He's really grown a lot since he came up with the Tigers, and I think you get a lot of that out of, out of his approach to the podcast. Like, there's he's very natural in his discussion with Shane because it's it's Cassianos and Shane Green, um, and they they just chit chat back and forth. And you by the first episode, you already get a real sense the baseball has only ever been their lives. Like, it's the only thing in their lives. It's the only thing they've known. Mm-hmm. They planned their entire lives around it. And they also um, have very
0: different. Very different paths, you know.
1: Absolutely, and which is but cool. I, I found it very fascinating to know. Like Shane was very open about how he only took something because somebody told him it would be the easiest thing to take while he was also focusing on sports. Yeah. So he took, I think, accounting or or business management or or one of those things, which is like you know a suitable fallback if the baseball thing doesn't work out. Yeah. Um, but I just found it so interesting how. How they built their whole lives to be in baseball, and that was the only option, and everything else was just a fallback.
0: Yeah, especially for Shane because he, I mean, he was very, you know, he came from really total obscurity, had Tommy John surgery um, right before he was supposed to start pitching in college, and basically. Yep you know, had nowhere to go, Um, had to find a place where he could even rehab the arm. I mean, you get the surgery done and you're just some kid with no coaches, no team, and they just send you out there um, with some, you know, vague rehab instructions. And he had to figure that that stuff out on his own. And he was in the minor leagues a long time, whereas... You know, Nick was, you know, a star, you know, in high school and on those travel teams in Florida, which is a hotbed, and he knows everybody. Like, you've kind of seen that, you know, even earlier on in Nick's career, that he knows everybody. He's played with everybody. Like, he and Frankie Lindor... Our boys, you know, and, and he went to high a school there at Cosmer. Yep. Went to, you know, all from that, that same kind of group of, of players who are, you know, in their mid twenties to late twenties. Now, um, you know, he was a known commodity. He was a, you know, a competitive balance, you know, or I think he was, yeah, the competitive balance round a right after the first round pick by the Tigers. So there was always been expectations, he came up um you know when he was 21 before he was probably even ready and you can see he the reason he sounds like he's you know a 32 two-year-old ball player is because from the time he was 21 he was in a clubhouse that was expected to win a world series with you know Tory yeah. Hunter and Miguel Cabrera and Victor Martinez and Ian Kinsler and then JD Martinez showing up and all these studs you know Justin Verlander like these guys you know are like the cream yeah. of the crop all around him and he had to live up to that from an early age and it is really funny like how many um how many like aphorisms Nick Castellanos has in his head. He doesn't have a whole lot of like mechanical thoughts about swinging and stuff like that, but it's all like, you know, the minor league, you know, there's only the major leagues and the minor leagues, you know, don't worry about the minor leagues when you're in the minor leagues, you're just trying to get to the major leagues and just has all this, you know, this crap, there's just like this jive that he has. And I, I like that they've, you'll you'll hear this in, as the episodes go along, but there's a, a phrase um, that's, that's on the plane. You know, we, we keep that on the plane because apparently like Nick is in the back of the plane on every flight with a bunch of the younger guys, like just, you know, Socratic method, methoding these guys and asking, you know, a ton of like ludicrous philosophical questions and making them ask, you know, what the sound of a tree falling in the woods is, if there's no one around to hear and just like going through That's all amazing. that stuff. And it is funny. Cause it's just like watching a guy like trying to, you know, r- kind of broaden his perspective and, and think about a lot of things who doesn't really have any formal education at all. And it's well, yeah, like he, pretty, he, pretty bright still. You know, it's interesting. You,
1: you mentioned Tory Hunter and i i think that's a really interesting thing to bring up is that he spent some time with Tory Hunter on the off season yeah um, and like i i really feel that he picked up stuff from Tory that has nothing to do with baseball yeah i i think he really took that Tory Hunter clubhouse mentality and he's applying it like crazy this year like i think i think he's really come up as a natural leader in that clubhouse
0: yeah I agree. and
1: he, He's filling a gap that I think that Burlander's left behind. And especially without, I mean, we know Miggy's there, but you also get the jokes of Miggy not learning anybody's names. Yep. Right? Yep. And I think Maybe I think he come to work and plays. Yep. Yeah. I think Nick's the kind of guy who gets in there and he, you know, he figures out everybody's name and he figures out what their path was. And, you know, he's probably the first guy there saying, hey, like, welcome to the show kind of thing and after Miggy went down there was like reports afterwards that Gardy went in and he's like I don't want you guys sitting here sad nick turned some music on and you know i, I think he's
0: yeah and i believe nick and gardy actually sat down and like talked to you know between the two of them about how to keep the team on track and you know yeah. and keep everybody
1: playing hard and confident so those so are good I, I i think he's a really important factor for this team and i know if we go back to the beginning of this podcast i was very anti nick <laughs> like i thought he <laughs> I thought he didn't take things seriously enough, and I thought that he didn't have enough um, to, to make it in, in that he was good, but not that good. But I think in what he's bringing now, I will be really disappointed if the Tigers don't re-sign him. I think they should make an effort. I mean, not an all-out effort. He's not worth, you know, breaking the bank over as as a player. Yeah. But I think the force of good that he brings to that clubhouse and can continue to bring as new generations come up is is valuable and something that I think that they should put some merit and some weight into, um, because I think he could be a really important factor in this rebuild. Yeah, I mean, he's
0: you know, he's not you know going to get a J.D. Martinez contract, um, and I hope he understands that because I, I would like to keep him as well. I mean, obviously. Maybe I've been the one driving, you know, that train the, the longest. I mean, I was writing about, um, you know, extending him last year and stuff. And I've always kind of been a big, big booster of Nick, but you know, he just seems to have internalized how to deal with failure in baseball. And dealing with failure is is one of the key parts of becoming a major, a good major league ball player because everybody, everybody fails most of the, time, at least as you know, as hitters,
1: seventy percent of the time. Yeah.
0: Yep. And you know, it just seems like he, you know, he really learned a lot by you know, by getting beat up at third base and then having to just turn that off and not feel bad about it and go out there and, and, and go to the plate with a, a clear head and hit. Um, and he's a different kind of, he is more like the Tory Hunter type guy. You know, he actually almost described it. I wish I could remember how he said it, but he described the difference between Tory Hunter and Ian Kinsler as sort of like the two kind of polar opposite type leaders. Like Ian Kinsler will get on you and, and be barking at you and will break down your swing and, and has like actual mechanical advice whereas Torrey Hunter is, is more the, you know, the personal touch type guy, you know, the guy who, you know, has the, the emotional intelligence to see who's down, who's struggling in the room. Um, and that's the kind of guy, yeah, it seems like Nick is. He's the one who'll put his arm around you when he knows you're, you know, you're beating yourself up over how you played um, and you're a young player and will kind of, you know, help get you through that kind of thing. So, yeah, I mean, there, there's value there. Um, It is, tr- it is you know, there, there's baseball logic and it's tricky to, to necessarily see how, He's going to fit in the roster long term, but there there are ways that, that they can make that work. And I used to be one of those people who would definitely be on the side of like, it's all, you know, production is all that matters. Like all this, you know, touchy feely stuff about, you know, being a good teammate and blah, 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 you know, like that's all nice. And that's a little bonus, but it doesn't matter that much. But, you know, you look at the way that the Dodgers um, and the Cubs and the Astros all think about the, those subjects. And I think the Yankees and Red Sox, you know, at least have tried to kind of build this into their... You know their kind of player development system is you know you you want you it's important to have a bunch of guys who support each other pick each other up keep each other loose but also you know check each other and hold each other accountable and those things are important and yeah it really does feel like Nick Castellanos is, is sort of the guy right now um in the in the Tigers locker room and yeah. I mean, I've always liked this, his personality, but yeah, he's he's more thoughtful than than maybe I think, um, you know, peop, people would have taken from it first because he's not a guy who beats himself up after a game. He'll talk to the reporters and just kind of, you know, own whatever happened and just goes on. Um, and, you know, from the outside that can look like, oh, he doesn't care that much or, you know, he's sort of, you know, he's not trying that hard or this or that, but he's, he's just isn't giving it any eyewash. You know, he's not you know, putting on a performance for the media where he beats up on himself and is like, oh, this is terrible and I have to do better. You know, he's about, you know, results. And yeah, that's
1: like he's Yeah, it I don't like think there's a guy. lot of pretense there. I yeah. think Nick is very much, this is me, mm-hmm. and I'm just going to give you my thoughts straight up. And, and I think what's incredible about that is that we're getting to see those thoughts as they evolve. Mm-hmm. And it's really kind of cool to see what he's growing into.
0: Yep. Yeah,
1: I agree. I
0: mean, he just, he just he just has that... Um, that confidence and that sort of like, you know, that, that kind of perfect baseball kind of mentality. Um, Whereas, you know, JD Martinez is much more of like an intense, like I can tell you, you know, at every moment of my swing, like where my hands are supposed to be and where the bat is supposed to be and what I'm expecting in this count and can teach kind of, you know, like the technique more. Um, And and I've been hearing that he really has kind of taken over the Red Sox um, locker room in kind of the same way. And it's frustrating, you know, we, you just see like the Tigers like seeding all these teams with like this, you know, intelligent, you know, veteran
1: experience talent. Yeah. <laughs> it's like super frustrating. But, well, I mean, um, Like you said, I, yeah. I wrote about it early in the season that he's not going to get a J.D. Martinez contract and not many people are yeah. going to get that kind of contract next season. Not anymore. So I think if, yeah. if the Tigers come back with a fair offer... He'd be real smart to stay where he is. I think so too. Like last
0: year I was thinking like maybe we could get him for like 5 and 60 million, so 12 million a year. It might cost a little bit more because now they've waited long enough that he's played right field some and isn't good out there, but isn't hurting the team the way he did at third base and might still get better in right field and you kind of now see like okay the you know the floor for his performance is is much more set than it than it looked like maybe last year when it was like oh he's not a third baseman anymore is he a dh like what's he going to do um so we may have kind of missed out there but yeah i do hope they can kind of work something out there as long as it's not terribly onerous and maybe you give him an opt out or something when he's 30 and yeah. keep him around to kind of raise up the young the young pups here for a few more years but anyway i w- definitely would recommend everybody out there um you know our podcast is obviously the best. Um, <laughs> having anything to do with the Detroit Tigers when it's actually on, but uh, but yeah, I would definitely recommend uh, people go go check those episodes out. Um Episode four, they had uh, Casey Mize on, which was pretty cool. Um, You know, Casey Mize, obviously, you know, he sounded like he you know was a little bit deer in the headlights in there. You know, he'd gone and signed this contract, got got his first huge check, took all these pictures. You know, got evaluated by the U of M medical staff and. You know, they took high-speed camera images of his delivery and did muscle testing on him and all that kind of stuff, which is cool that the Tigers have started doing with a lot of their top prospects. Um, they've done that with, like, Alex Fajedo and Kristen Stewart. Um, I believe Bo Burroughs, a bunch of guys. So Franklin Perez. So that's been a cool yeah. development. But, um, you know, he kind of went through all that and then had to come on the air with, like, two veteran big leaguers and yeah. talk, and he, he, and he sounded like, and he he was even more like, guys, I don't know anything but baseball. Like, I, I, I didn't try in school. I didn't care about it. I have no idea. I'm an idiot except for baseball.
1: <laughs> but yeah. it just
0: came out there. So he definitely sounded that way. And uh, they had Victor Martinez in episode three. That was pretty cool hearing things from Victor's perspective after, you know, what it was like when he came into the league um, and coming from Venezuela and trying to, like, learn the language and, you know, him, him telling stories about trying to go to fast food restaurants because he could just say a number. And get food, <laughs> It's just like man. You know, like, is it, why isn't there anybody looking out for these people? I think there are now, but you know, fifteen. I think 20 more years ago, so,
1: but it's still tough. There was a great article on uh, ESPN, I think, last year. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. That was like an oral history of these guys of the the Latin baseball movement. And it was like some huge, huge names came in and, uh, and and did interviews, and it's really worth looking at if you can find it. Um, it I think it's just like. ESPN, um, baseball, but baseball like the Spanish style baseball, um, and uh, oral history, and find it it's worthwhile. Um, But what I was going to say is another kind of quick note. um, Both Leonis Martin and Jose Iglesias um, just became citizens. Yeah, that was Uh, kind of a wonderful thing just ahead of the Fourth of July, uh, and they got to have their uh, their ceremony on the field at Comerica, and uh, Martin's wife I think also got her citizenship the same day. Um, so that was really really kinda cool. I love seeing that. Yeah. Um I love that they too. did one uh the Iowa Cubs did one I think tonight. Um either tonight or they're doing one tomorrow on the fourth of July for I think just 30 random like fans slash citizens of the area from 17 different countries. I think it's really neat to see those. Um, and I, I was very excited for Iggy and uh, Martin.
0: Yeah, it's nice to see that international flavor, you know, kind of be celebrated, especially, you know, kind of with what's been going on with the immigration situation yeah. and as well, you know, with the World Cup being on, you know, like, you know, we're all kind of invested in this sort of you know, this, this sporting, you know, worldwide event that everybody's super into. And, you know, it's, it's a good time to really reflect on, you know, what, what the differences and, you know, are in the, and in these invisible lines in the sand sometimes. So, um yeah, I don't know. That, that was a cool thing. It was neat to hear. And I remember when we got Jose Iglesias, I, I kind of read about his story and, you know, how he had to kind of sneak across the border in Montana, like out in the middle of nowhere, um, you know, to a car that was supposed to pick, pick him up. Like, You just, you know, what this kid had to go through when he was like 19 um, and then trying to learn English in these cheap motel rooms from soap operas and his and his roommates and just badgering them. Um, Yeah, it's 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 a tough road for those guys. So, yeah, it was cool to see um, see both of them receive their citizenship last week. That was pretty, pretty neat and cool that the
1: Tigers celebrated it. Yeah, and do that. It's just, side note, I am watching the Marlins Rays go into the 13th inning here. Oh, man. And I totally forgot that Brian Holiday played for the Miami Marlins oh, now. Oh, is that where he is? I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, both Marlin, uh, both uh, uh, Holiday, and uh, Cameron Maben. So lots of old friends in this game. Oh, yeah. Yep,
0: and uh, Mr. Shohei Otani, um, we'll see if it's advisable, but he's going to come back and, and hit. I, don't, I haven't read if they're going to have him play in the outfield or just DH. Um, seems like DHing would be the right way to go. You don't want him throwing a ball from the outfield either, I would imagine. Yeah, like that's so, not get carried away, but I'm just glad it
1: wasn't Tommy John. Good heavens.
0: Not yet anyway, yeah. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. Hopefully um, hopefully that thing heals up well and he can kind of hold up the way Tanaka um, has as well. So, yeah, that's kind of an interesting, uh, interesting little storyline to watch. Um, and then, you know, like the other thing that's going on, you know, obviously, um, you know, Rob and I did a draft thing for the, for the Patreon and we've talked a little bit of draft, but it's been kind of cool seeing some of these guys get assigned and kind of come out and make a little bit of a name for themselves right, right off the bat. Obviously, um, just the best named one is of course, Brock Deathrage, Deathridge, Death Rage! Yeah, it hit... is a
1: name meant to be in all caps.
0: Yeah, He hit two home runs in his, you know, four home runs in his first two GCL games, including a Grand Slam and has done pretty well for the Whitecaps so far. And Parker Meadows, who was the Tiger's second round pick, um, came out and hit a home run in one of her, his first games. Cody Clemens already has a highlight real defensive play. So it's been neat kind of seeing some of those guys show up and um, and announce their presence because you know, and I don't know. I mean, I've been following kind of the farm system for maybe like three years like intensely and you mm-hmm. just don't see this like you know by by and large like the guys the tigers have taken after the fourth and fifth round have just sort of fizzled most of them are still there kind of just as like role players so it's cool to see those guys you know at, at least kind of announce their uh, their presence a little bit uh i'm excited to see what cody clemens can do i mean there's there's a part of him that really reminds me a lot of ian kinsler like he seems he's like a, he's seems like absolutely, a rat a he's got rat. that
1: Yeah, that sassy kind of, I mean, sassy seems like a write-off word, but he's got that, (laughs) cheeky might be the better word for it. Like, he's definitely got some attitude, um, and he's not afraid to let it show. And if he can be, you know, half the player defensively that Ian Kinsler was, um, he can keep that attitude. Uh, Yeah. Kinsler got to get away with a lot because he was Ian Kinsler. Yeah. And I I think that Clemens has, Definitely something to be excited about, um, but we'll see if it actually amounts to anything.
0: Yeah, and we're still still waiting to see um, where Casey Mize will end up. So we haven't uh, haven't gotten an announcement there. Um, it's still kind of hard to tell. Like you'd think he would probably go to they would just keep him at Lakeland, um, since so that's kind of the, the Tigers' home and they can keep a good eye on him. But um, we'll just we'll just kind of have to see how that goes. Um, some of the Tigers pitchers, though, have have all leveled up. Um, a lot of the top prospects have moved up recently, and that's been cool to see. Matt Manning, in particular, put together a couple of awesome starts for the Whitecaps and moved up to Lakeland, and he will pitch on the 4th of July for them for the first time. And Alex Fajeto has come up to Erie and done done very well as well. So, And we also have Franklin Perez, who is working his way back from an oblique tear um, and looks like he should be... Probably ready to get into games, probably right after the All Star break. Maybe he could go sooner, but you always see teams kind of just wait and just go after the All Star break. So we'll see how, you know, we'll see if that's what they decide there. But yeah, it'll be nice to, it's nice to kind of see the farm system guys coming along um, and a lot of the top prospects doing well. The guys who were injured kind of getting back into the fold here. And um, there's been some surprises too Jacob Robson. Has done very well. The Maple Hammer from over in Ontario, <laughs> um, you know, who we all thought like maybe that guy could be a you know a solid fourth outfielder. Um, and all of a sudden, the last couple of weeks, he's found this monster power stroke and has done very well since going up to Toledo as well. So he'll be neat to follow. And then Das Cameron has just just absolutely wrecked shop since he got to Erie, um, and that's that's been a really good sign because he's probably between him and Isaac Paredes probably the best Tigers position prospect at this point. And so that's been nice to see him move up. And those guys are kind of kind of more fun to watch. <laughs> yeah. Honestly at this point. Like I got minor league uh minor league T V last year for the first time and I've actually used it more than I have MLB this year, so Oh, that's saying something. Yeah, they're just you know, last year, you know, I was watching Verlander when he, when he went to the Astros, I watched a lot of those games and some other stuff. But um yeah, this year I've been just kinda like, Nope, not, not so much. I'm just gonna watch the Tigers and follow the farm and yeah, the farm's been pretty rewarding, especially of late. So that's been good to see. Jake Rogers. I- Catch, catching project or prospect extraordinary yeah he's kind of i don't know I, I want Seawolves. him to
1: be more 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 better
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> more better than he is yeah he's uh he's been doing well though the last last 2 months he's he's really picked it up he had a slow start um but he's been going well and hit a walk-off homer for the SeaWolves tonight and i think he may have 10 home runs now um he looks a lot like James McCann to me like with a bat and that would be uh, ideal uh, no if, yeah. he, if he could hit like James McCann but be like twice the the catcher that James McCann is, which is the reputation that uh, Jake Rogers has, that would, that would be fine. So, yeah. So we'll just have to see uh, how those guys develop over the course of the summer here. But um, yeah, that's, that's kind of where we stand. I wish there was more, more fun stuff to talk about with the Tigers, but you know we're just going to have to kind of suffer through this. I'm afraid. <laughs> Hopefully Nick will be uh, making a push for her 30 home runs and maybe uh, Nico will keep it going and we'll see some fun stuff. But until we start seeing some more prospects come up. Um, yeah, it's it's just kind of a bit of a tough watch, and I don't blame fans for feeling the same way.
1: Yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, I don't know. I want us to get back to fun goose levels of fun, and yeah. I don't care if we win or lose, as long as we're enjoying it. Yeah,
0: exactly. And, you know, and that's that's possible. You know, I, I, would imagine, I don't think this team is going to totally fold up the way they did last year, um, especially because we're probably not going to trade that many guys away, and maybe we'll see we'll see a Jake Robson or a Kristen Stewart or someone like that later in the year. Um, Might see a Kyle Funkhauser come up and pitch a little bit, something like that. So there'll be those things to look forward to um, a little bit further on, but yeah, the the trade deadline uh, talks aren't, aren't going to center around the Tigers. That doesn't seem like unless somebody gets crazy for Michael Fulmer. So
1: yeah, that's about it. Yeah, exactly. Pretty, pretty, pretty boring.
0: Yep. So we were off for a few weeks and we'll, uh, we're going to try to keep the, keep the schedule going. Um, we also have um, our newest writer, Keenan Carter, has been doing a podcast here and there called the Minor League Tracker Podcast, so you can keep an eye out on the site for that as well. Um, I might wander over there and, and talk about the farm with him at some point or have him on here, so we'll try to do that, but there's, there's going to be some podcast content coming this month, um, and other than that, you know, we'll just keep hanging in there. That's all we can do this year.
1: Yeah, we'll, well actually, actually start recording now. I don't think I'm going to be sent on any more work trips, so we'll <laughs> be okay.
0: Yeah, well, hopefully there'll be more vacations coming at some point. But <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I, I got to get to the UP a couple times here, so I'm sure we'll miss a few, but we'll do our best. Um, yeah, and I guess that's about it. Anything, uh, anything else to add tonight?
1: Uh, no, I am going to be watching this uh, Marlins versus Rays game for the rest of time, <laughs> um, because we're <laughs> still in the 13th inning, and this is impossible. Lord. Um, I was really expecting that I would go in in the 10th and be able to switch over to, to Mariner's Angels, but no, Have they... bottom of the 13th, and we're still here throughout this entire podcast. <laughs> They're still a... going to be playing this game tomorrow.
0: Yeah, if you see a little, you know, kind of skinny little... Guy come out of come out of the bullpen who you don't recognize who looks freshly shaven I'm gonna just assume you know Sergio Romo decided he no could,
1: he's been in already I
0: know he's gonna <laughs> he's gonna shave the mustache off and sneak back in
1: oh you know that you pull that like that Ichiro in the dugout thing yeah on. that was great I, I like it yeah he was uh, he had some pretty comical expressions going during his at bat so <laughs> I have to <laughs> say I enjoyed that but man I just need somebody to score <laughs> somebody end this game please yeah. All right.
0: Uh, uh, so we'll, we will catch up with you guys all again next week. Um, you can follow Ashley at 90 Feet From Home on Twitter. You can follow me, Brandon Day, at Fiscador74 on Twitter. And please read our stuff over at BlessYouBoys.com. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Ashley. Good night. Good night.